Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast Scope Paracast Pod <laughs> of the show. Hey, what's happening? I'm Noops. Uh, joining me as always from California. He was too lazy to set up his green screen, but we may have a <laughs> guest appearance from one of the many cats he lives with. Um, don't worry, folks. I do check in on with spread regularly to make sure he doesn't have too many cats. Um, just trying to keep it to single digits right now. How's it going, Spread? Um, how are things? Is it a little less smoky outside? No, it's not. I, I told you before we started, I went down to see my buddy near Yosemite today, and I was hoping for some wonderful California outdoors, and the smoke is coming in from that direction. So a um, little discouraging and no rain on the forecast. So uh, still bearing through, but fortunately we have plenty of sports on the TV while I, uh, while I stay inside. Well, fingers crossed. We'll do our best. Joining us for, I believe, the third time this playoffs, our buddy, you may know him as Whale, you may know him as Drew. I'm still stuck at Drail, sort of working my <laughs> way towards Drew. We'll get there eventually. It looks nice. You got a haircut. You're kind of like clean shaven. You're looking good. He's been a lot of appearances today. How are you feeling? How's life? Can't complain about anything, man. It's uh, The NBA playoffs have been fun, haven't been especially profitable, but uh, the fact that they're going on at the same time the NFL is actually going on, the fact that we have sports at all. You know, if you had asked me four months ago what would be going on this fall, uh, I don't think I would have predicted this, and yet here we have MLB playoffs, same time as NBA finals, same time as NFL real, you know, regular season action, Preakness horse racing this weekend, French Open, Preakness uh, is going on right now. Yeah, like it's just oh crazy how much is going on at the same time. We just U.S. Open of golf just finished. Masters is on the horizon. Like all, like the fact that all this is going on actually is surreal. So uh, I can't complain, and uh, it's been uh, it's been a tour de force to uh, you know to handicap these NBA playoffs. Appreciate everything you guys have uh, provided to the community at large with your takes and your thoughts, and uh, it's awesome to see this continue to grow. So congratulations and. I uh, hope you have a tremendous NBA Finals. We'll do our best. It should be pretty good. I think what we have is going to be a very competitive matchup. Um, I know that the pricing is in a lot of places, and we have a lot to talk about from that perspective. But I thought a good place to start would be some pretty high-level angle. Let's try to break down the series. Let's see if we can talk about some of the match matchups, what we might see on the floor, You know what we think each of the players are going to do. Spread, we're going to start with you. What is your expectation for the Heat and how they're going to attack LeBron James? We know that Spolstra, um, you know, a really great coach. He's had a great playoffs here. What do you expect to see from him um, and maybe some of the strategies? Yeah, well, from what it seems like, it looks like it's going to be a nice little mix of Crowder, Butler, and um, Crowder, but hold on, who's the third one? Iguodala, <laughs> I should know that, of course, who, you know, do have experience guarding LeBron in the postseason. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, I personally would try and use a little BAM on him. And, you know, people say, well, you can't do that because then AD is going to get loose in the post. But. AD's kind of shown a reluctance to go down low. I mean, the guy wants to play like a wing. He wants to play out there. I make him beat me in the paint, and I put Bam on LeBron. But let's see what Spolster does. Obviously, Spolster knows LeBron James, his pluses, his weaknesses, a lot better than I do. So um, whatever whatever Spolster puts out there, I'm pretty much going to have faith that that is the, uh, the best way to attack LeBron James. Um, the thing is, is, you know, will the athleticism, Will the experience and just the ability be too much for even uh, Spo to mastermind his way out of? And, and that's what we're going to find out. But, um, you know, I'm really excited to see it. And and I'm hoping that we, he throws a little wrench in here and puts some Bam out of bio on, uh, on LeBron and, and really tries to uh, get the only guy pretty much on the floor as big and as strong as LeBron and go ahead and let him cover him. 
Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. The other thing that I was interested to see, and um, we talked about this a little bit pre-show, LeBron James is definitely taking his you know, level of intensity, if you will, up and down. Um, I'm curious to see if he can play um, an entire game for seven series, because I think that's what we kind of need out of him. I'm curious to see it. I love what you talked about um, for Bam. I think we're going to see a lot of double teams. That should be a lot of fun. Um, Drew, do you have anything else to add in terms of you know what you're expecting from the Heat, the heat and their, how they're going to attack LeBron? If I've learned anything from Eric Spolster this playoffs, it's to expect the unexpected. Uh, and that wrinkle that uh, Spread mentioned about Bam on, on uh, LeBron is definitely unexpected. And I think you could absolutely uh, throw a wrench into what, Re what, what LeBron wants to do. And if you can in any way neutralize him this, you know, in this series, um, I think that definitely tips your, head, you know, your hand and you know, tips the advantage in favor of the Heat. Um, and it's it's a it's a it's a poor it's a poor supporting cast once you get past the top two uh, for the Lakers and anything you can do to um, really put the pressure on the uh, you know on the guys who are asked to uh, you know make up the reserve minutes here um, is going to be to your advantage because the Heat are a perfectly well composed team you know balance shooting. Uh, you know, everybody kind of knows their role. The roles are well defined. Whereas uh, we have yet to really see the Lakers kind of go through true struggles and figure things out on, you know, on the fly, uh, what they need to do to, to win. And uh, I think for me, at least being somewhat optimistic, somewhat bullish on the heat, especially early in the series, a lot of that has to do with what we've seen from Spolstra so far. Uh, and uh, I do think, uh, uh, we're going to see some surprises, not unlike what we saw early in that series against the Celtics. Like, I certainly didn't expect the Heat to throw uh, a zone at them. Uh, I didn't know that that was going to work as well as it did. It certainly made Brad Stevens look like, uh, you know, a college coach more than a pro, you know, NBA coach, uh, that he couldn't, you know, kind of crack the code there. Um, but, you know, using Bam as a distributor at times was pretty genius, I thought. Um, and, uh, you know, Bam has taken huge leaps forward in all of his basketball abilities. And so the fact that... Uh, uh, you know, he might be kind of an X factor here is, is pretty exciting. And, um, you know, it's going to be a great finals. Uh, you know, obviously the narratives about LeBron going up against, you know, the team that got him to his first championship is what a lot of people are talking about. But um, well beyond that, I think the overall team composition, what the Heat have and how they've gotten to this point in the NBA playoffs is worth celebrating. So let's crack into that nut a little bit more, because I think when we're going to see Bam guard, um, LeBron, I think it's going to be a lot of small lineups. One of the biggest advantages I believe the Miami Heat have in this series is their three-point shooting and their ability to put a really interesting small lineup on the floor um, and still have the ability to protect the rim and maybe even guard LeBron. Um, so, you know, you put a lineup, basically, you look at like, you know, Drogic, Duncan Robinson, Butler, Jay Crowder, Iguodala, Derek Jones Jr., Tyler Hero. You basically pick four of those guys, put them out on the floor with Bam Adebayo, spread the floor out, move the ball as fast as you can, and you have basically four three-point shooters and Bam on the floor, who we know has the ability to create. Um, you know, Spread, when you start to think about that, how do the Lakers attack that? Do you think that they have the bodies to really be competitive there? Do you think that they have the opportunity to maybe go big as a counter there? Um, you know, if you're the Lakers coach, how do you think about that? Are you using sleep over that? Um, yeah, you have to. So I do, I, I do think they'll counter that with size. And we saw, I mean, gosh, Dwight Howard, right? We, me and you laughed on the net worth pod during the off season when they signed Dwight Howard and he was a big 
key in their ability uh, to win pretty much what I thought, you know, was was the crucial game. And I think it was game four where he came out and got all those rebounds right off the bat. Um, so, yeah, it is going to be very interesting. I think they will use the size. They are going to attack the offensive glass. Um, but here's the deal. Uh, you don't have the weak rebounder like Nikolai Jokic, um, who, you know, basically failed to box out Howard on many plays. Adebayo's not going to make that mistake. Uh, Crowder plays pretty big for his size. It'll be interesting to see him get down low. Will we see some Kelly Olenek minutes? I think that's a big question because while he can be rough defensively, we might need him down low uh, for a heat back. What do you guys think? Is Kelly Olenek going to get a, uh, a play at all here? Well, I think we'll get into um, can you play them or can't you play them in just a second. Okay. But what I wanted to ask Drew was, um, you know, offensive rebounding is really huge when you're looking at modeling, when you're starting to predict, um, you know, how good a team's going to be rebounding especially. And I think that's the Lakers' biggest advantage. And that's kind of what they do in this series to maybe counteract that size. Now, I personally have, you know, done a lot of work peeling through the Lakers. It's When you look at their results, it's really tough to, to go through it. But, you know, Drew, when you're starting to look at it, what do you see from the Lakers from a rebounding perspective? Does their size on the floor translate to good rebounding numbers? You know, when you start to look at some of your modeling and think about it from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, it does. If it's And that's for sure a concern. Um, you can definitely see uh, variants start to kick in when it comes to what the Heat like to do in terms of, uh, you know, specifically relying on their three-point shooting for offense. Um, on a night that the shots aren't falling, if they're not getting offensive rebounds, it's going to be a real tough go for them. Uh, I completely acknowledge that. They're not going to get uh, the they're not going to get more free throw attempts than the Lakers in the series. That's pretty much a guarantee. You can tell that for sure. They will take more three point shots, uh, and the question really becomes: Are your shots going down? Are your players in position to get rebounds to do anything with that on the offensive glass? Uh, or are you essentially conceding and um, like we saw what we saw them do pretty effectively in the Milwaukee series, I thought was we recognize we're, you know, that we're going to have missed, shot, missed shots. Some nights they're not going to fall. But in those scenarios, we are going to get back, uh, you know, effectively and play ex exceptional transition defense and really limit uh, Milwaukee's ability to kind of get into a groove from just from a you know a transition offense standpoint, uh, and the fact that they did that and they did that so superbly, I think it sets them up well uh, to where they don't necessarily really um, need to press on the offensive glass, especially. I think they can rely heavily on their transition defense to stop uh, you know fast break opportunities, stop the Lakers from getting away, uh, and really uh, you know if you're Eric Spolstra, if you're the Heat. What you're trying to do in this series uh, is force the Lakers into um, being an offensive, more offensively efficient team than they truly are, right? Because if it becomes, if this comes down to who can run a more efficient offense, it's the Heat, and I don't think it's close. Uh, and so, um, you know, what you almost have to kind of concede that you have a disadvantage on the glass uh, because of the size. Uh, and I think you have to kind of focus on other aspects of the game that uh, don't that don't hurt you in that regard. Makes a ton of sense. Now, there's been a lot of talk in the chat. Um, our buddy here, Meech Media, really thinks the Lakers have a good chance here. Um, Zivon pointed out that Bam struggled in his two games against the Heat, and thank you, Zivon, for pointing that out. Um, looking here in the one game, 12, only 12-5-1 12, and one for Bam. In the second game, only 9-4-1. and one. And again, played a full complement of minutes. So had some struggles in the regular season. So definitely something to think about. Um, are either one of you, either one of you have a strong opinion about what the Bam-Anthony Davis matchup is going to look like? I only think 
I'm optimistic that it's going to look better than the regular season matchups because we've seen Bam take enormous strides forward as a player, not just through this season relative to last season. Um, he was the second most improved player in the NBA this year after Luka Doncic, in my opinion. Um, and I think it was pretty obvious, pretty clear. Uh, the fact that Brandon Ingram got MIP over both of those guys is a travesty. Um, but even you know o- over the course of the season, the Heat were in disadvantaged spots in both of those Lakers ma- matchups. Uh, and I don't think anyone would say the Heat team that you had uh, during the regular season of the NBA uh, is anywhere close to the same level as the Heat team that we see now. Um, this, you know, they've taken um, not just Bam, but Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, like all of these guys are maturing on the fly. The little break that you had in between the end of the regular season and the restart, uh, it seems like was kind of all of these guys needed to sort of take a year forward in their development and their progression. And they're realizing the, the benefits of all that now. Um, so I don't really look at those uh, results as indicative of what to expect from Bam in this particular matchup. And, you know, if, if it ends up that he is not as big a factor because AD is just, uh, you know, that much higher quality of a player, which is possible. Um, I still think there are other paths to victory that he can make this a series. All right. Now, Meech, I want to let you know that I saw your Jokic Bam comment. I added that to my list. We're going to get to that at the end. <laughs> I don't want to stop the momentum. The other thing that I saw mentioned in the chat, and apologies, I didn't get a chance to go all the way back. We're obviously going to talk about the zone defense. It's been a big, big thing for the Miami Heat. Um, I want to give a shout out to a guy that runs a fantastic YouTube account, Half Court Hoops. He does these really nice short breakdown videos of things and has two really good videos about the heat defense that you should watch. Um, For me personally, almost immediately reminded me of a lot of the basketball I watched growing up, especially John Chaney's Temple matchup zone defense. And I know that's something not a lot of people know about if you're from the Philadelphia area. I think you know what I'm talking about. But what John Chaney used to do was run what looked like a 2-3 zone. It was more of like a 2-1-2 zone. Um, But it was only that from a look. A lot of the concepts were man concepts. A lot of the way that people moved around, it wasn't as strict as, um, you know, what a lot of people, and I hate this, and I'm going to rail against people talking about basketball a little bit. I know that you played in middle school. I know you played in high school. You may have even played in college. I know that you've watched Syracuse and you've seen every Jim Beheim game, and you're just fucking brilliant. That's not the same zone defense that the Miami Heat are playing. The, the fact, and I do hate a little bit that they call it a 2-3. It's diminutive. Either way, we're just going to take a break from that. But it's been really fantastic the way they're able to attack the ball at the top and create almost an initial double team without sacrificing the win defense, the way it frees up Bam in the center to do a lot of good things. Um, Spread, I'll start with you. What do you think the Lakers are going to be able to do there to attack that? You know, I think a lot of people are thinking, you know, you put Anthony Davis at the free throw line and kind of let him operate. I think that could be interesting. Maybe try to put LeBron there or somebody like that. But what were your initial thoughts, Spread, as you were thinking about the Lakers and attacking that zone? Well, my favorite thing about the heat zone is the fact that in the fourth quarter, you can see Crowder and Butler just creep closer and closer, how it just gets to, seems to be a tighter zone uh, as the game goes on. And obviously that was reflected in the fourth and the fourth quarter results uh, where the heat's net rating was something like plus 18 compared to their uh, minus four net rating in the first quarter so far and the playoffs. Um, but here's the difference, right? It's not Marcus smart at the top of the horn trying to beat the zone. It's LeBron James. And so um, regardless of how you want to set this up, he's still going to get past his man. He's still going to create a need for help. So if I'm the heat, I'm thinking I'm trying to use the zone a little more sparingly. I'm thinking I am going to use some man to man matchups here. Um, but obviously, you know, this is where, boy, I mean, is there a coach you'd rather have, you know, if you, had to bet on the heat, you know, and you said, okay, I need a coach. 
um, to beat LeBron, to beat Anthony Davis. It is Folster. So, you know, obviously I'm not going to be sitting here criticizing if he does something opposite of, of what I say. But um, I think we are going to see more man-to-man than we did against Boston because, you know, LeBron is just – he's just going to be able to kill the zone if they allow him to. Um, and I think that maybe if they use it sparingly – um, it could kind of throw the Lakers off a little more where if you let them sit there, attack it for half the game for four games straight, they're going to figure it out. All right. I think let's, it's, this is a perfect time to kind of wrap up our final matchup angles and start to talk a little bit of gambling. We'll start with the game. Can you play them or can't you play them? And my let's favorite gambling angle from a live perspective is to really attack certain players when you see them on the floor against other players. So let's go team by team. We'll kind of pick players. And this will also be a fun way for us to talk about, you know, you know, I think Drew, you talked about it, um, the fact that the Heat from a holistic perspective are a better roster than the Lakers. So you, know, you start with the top four guys. I think that, you know, personally, you got LeBron, you've got Anthony Davis, and you kind of compare them to Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And, you know, do any of you guys maybe have a strong feeling? Actually, you know what? Let's just go for it. Um, spread. How would you rank those four players? LeBron, AD. Anthony Bam, Davis, and Butler, Butler, and Bam. I think those are the four best players in the series, the yeah. two best guys on each team. You know, yeah. Those are the guys that have a chance to be the best guys night to night. Um, you know, how would you rank them, and do you have a really strong opinion about it? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, LeBron and AD are clearly uh, better than the top two uh, for the Heat, Bam and Jimmy Butler. You know, where it gets interesting is, I'd say, three through eight, the Heat have an advantage. Um, but this is Hold basketball, we'll right? There. Okay. Yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, LeBron and AD clearly going to be the best two players on the court, which I think is going to maybe cause us to see a little bit, little bit, bit of decrease in that uh, net rating for the heat in the fourth quarter. Any dissension from you drew there? No, I agree with that. And I think, you know, that it's difficult to quantify how important the experience of LeBron in the NBA finals is. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but are the only two players with finals experience here, uh, Dwight and LeBron, or are we counting Udonis Haslam? Um, well, Iguodala. Rondo. Oh, Iguodala. Yeah, excuse me. Yes, Iguodala. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking. Um, Rondo yeah. does. Rondo has Rondo. Okay. Danny right. Green. Danny oh, Green. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So the uh, – JaVale. 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 a good team. That's true. Yeah. JaVale. Yeah, that's a good call, too. Wow. Okay, so there's a bunch of guys in role-playing opportunities who've been in the finals. Um, but the overall experience of how many you know, how many playoff games LeBron's had, um, you, can't un- you can't discount how important that's going to be, especially um, because these are going to be relatively tightly contested games. Uh, any game that is coming down to end-of-game offensive exe- execution, you have to tip in the advantage of the Lakers. And it's specifically because the ball is in LeBron's hands and he's been in this moment so many times and we know he can make that shot when the game's on the line. Um, it's going to be, uh, you know, in that same moment, you know, are the legs going to be there for a guy like, uh, you know, Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson if those guys are open on the wings to, to drain, you know, the game-time, game-winning shot? We know Jimmy Butler's got the intestinal fortitude based on what he's done throughout these playoffs and in past playoffs. Uh, kind of willing his team to victory in game one versus the Celtics comes to mind uh, and kind of being willing to be the guy in end of game scenarios, but he's, you know, higher, you know, less, less uh, confidence that he's going to get that bucket than LeBron overall. So I think you have to put LeBron at the top of the pile here in terms of meaningful players for this series. And I think you have to put Anthony Davis number two, because uh, you know, he can create shots from so many different places across, you know, on the floor and, um, and realistically his, his ability to create uh create contact, get to the free throw line. Like it's unparalleled and 
you know, if this is called in any way, shape, or form called, uh, you know, tight manner, um, you know, his contributions from the charity stripe are going to be pretty massive on the offensive end. Um, and Jimmy Butler, as great as he is in key clutch moments and as cool as it is to uh, see what he's done bringing this, you know, being the leader on this team and getting these guys to this point, um, he's not consistent. You can't necessarily look across his performances and say he's going to give it to you every single game. Uh, and the Heat are not in a position where they can afford to drop a few in this series. Uh, they're going to have to be aggressive um, and put pressure on the Lakers early and often, take some shots when they have advantages uh, in games one, two, and three here, uh, and try to come away with a couple wins uh, so that they can really you know, shift the tide in their balance if they expect to lift the trophy. Uh, and I don't think you can necessarily count on Butler being consistent game in, game out, the same way you can with uh, LeBron and AD. Uh, and then it, bam, just on the basis of, you know, his offensive limitations are pretty clear and obvious. Um, but what he can do from a defensive standpoint, anchoring this team defensively, what his transition D is just absolutely spectacular. Uh, and uh, his kind of his new usage as, uh, as a distributor and a you know creator for the offense is pretty awesome. Uh, so he's going to be the fourth most important player for me in the series. Agree with hey, you. Or- Ricardo yeah, Butler, but- real quick, let me just jump in. Uh, I agree with you on his points and his total. You can't rely on him to be consistent. But what I love about his game is he's going to get involved even if the shot's not falling. And I loved in the first two series against Milwaukee and then against Boston when the shot wasn't falling, he got he got in the paint, he got people in foul trouble, he got his teammates involved, he was active on the defensive end. So I do think that B- Butler will bring it every night, except for you're right on the scoring, it can be inconsistent. But um, I love the fact that even if his shot's not falling, he's still going to make a positive impact for the team. So I agree with the order that you guys put them in, and I think maybe to frame it up in another way, what I really is going to define the series for me is the gap between two and three. I think LeBron is number one. I think Anthony Davis is number two. I would actually have Bam at number three, and I think it's simply because maybe I overrate him a little bit. Maybe I'm overly optimistic here. I think he's had a great playoffs. I think that you've seen him really grow as a player offensively. His vision is incredible defensively. He's been one of, if not the best big men in the bubble so far. And I think that he has a chance to really – make a mark here and take a step forward. I don't know if he is, but I think that if the Heat are going to be competitive, they're going to win. He needs to be as good as Anthony Davis is every night, if not a little bit better from night to night. And then Jimmy Butler just needs to keep doing what Jimmy Butler's doing, being possibly the best player in the fourth quarter instead of trying to be the best player for the entire game. So I think that's a good way to stack at the top four. Now, to help us organize things a little bit, I think the third best player in the Lakers is Kyle Kuzma. Do I have any arguments about that? Playoff Rondo? I'm going to pass. I'm going to stick with Kuzma. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I think Danny Green can be the third best player in the series. For the That's I think that has to say more about Kyle Kuzma than anything else. So <laughs> let's think about maybe those three guys. And I want to start going through Miami Heat players. And you tell me when to stop when I get to a Miami Heat player that you think is worse than one of those three guys. Okay. And this is in terms of roster building or in terms of this series? This in series. terms of this series. Just in terms of this series, right? Okay. Um, all right, so we've got um, Tyler Dragic. Hero. No, Dragic. Dragic is so Tyler Hero. So, t- t- again, I'll try to do it maybe a little quicker. I regret Dragic, Dragic Hero, you know, maybe Duncan Robinson. I, I think Rondo's going to be more important than, than Duncan Robinson, so I would cut it off there. All right. I, I mean, you can make a legitimate argument. I wouldn't get too upset, you know, and say that's crazy, but uh, 
I don't know. I was actually pretty impressed with Rondo and how much he basically just turns it on, uh, especially on the defensive end and and some of the things he did, like the pass he made to AD for that huge game winner, how casual he was about it, how on point it was to put it right there, um, just little things like that. I think that Rondo, because of his just weird performances over the past three or four years, kind of gets downgraded. But uh, when he elevates his game, I really think it's really high up there. All right. So it seems like we're in agree that, you know, the next two guys are Drogic and Hero in some order. Um, then you start to think about, all right, so from Miami perspective, now we're into guys like Crowder and the guys like Iguodala. Um, you know, from a Lakers perspective, like you guys said, we're now at the Kuzma range. We're now at the Rondo range. Um, you know, we're now at maybe the Danny Green range. You yeah. know, if I had to stack those guys myself um, – Shuffle the deck. Anyone? Yeah, anyone? It's kind of a mess. Like that. Yeah, night to night, it'll be kind of messy. I think it kind of Crowder, Kuzma, or maybe the two better players, Iguodala. I think will have some highs and lows. So tough to lean on him. Danny Green could do anything. I can't remember the last time he made a corner three. So we'll see if he's able to make one this series. This defense um, is pretty important, though. And this is where we start to get into the can you play them and can't you play them range. Uh, you know, from a Lakers perspective, we'll skip Caruso. Caruso's going to play. I think he's actually going to be pretty good in this series. He's going to be big for me in terms of trying to stop Hero and stop Drogic. I think he is the guy that actually they're going to put to chase those guys around and try to make their life difficult. Um, so as you start to get to the Lakers, we talked about Rondo. Obviously, he's good. Um, Caldwell Pope, I think, will get some good minutes here. What do you think you got about Marcus Morris? I think he'll play here, but what do you guys think? Is he going to be a positive, or is he going to be somebody that maybe plays in the first two games, and if things goes rough for the Lakers, you start to see his minutes dry up? Um, I think opinions? he gets minutes. I think he gets minutes because it's like the size isn't too big, so you can run him as your small ball five um, when you have AD off the floor, and then you don't have to have Dwight out there. You don't have to have JaVale out there. He's okay under the rim. He can hit the three. Um, he really wasn't that bad the last series when they ran him as a small ball five, so I, I expect to see some Morris minutes, and uh, I think that he can actually positively help the team. All right, so for the Lakers now, just to run through how many guys we are, you think about the playoffs, we're probably at eight or nine guys playing. We've got LeBron, Anthony Davis, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Danny Green, Alex Caruso, Rajon Rondo, I'm at six, Kyle Kuzma, seven, Marcus Morris is eight. So that ninth Markeith, spot. Markeith, Markeith. I'm sorry, Markeith yeah. Morris. So that ninth spot, I guess that's probably going to be Dwight Howard. That's probably going to be JaVale McGee. What do you guys think about that? Are you guys excited to see them? Um, you know, if you guys are Lakers fans, are you pumped for Dwight Howard to be able to give minutes or as betters? Are we excited to maybe grab some Miami heat when we start to see them at the table? I think Howard minutes are money. I think he's really going to give Bam problems and he's going to hit the offensive glass uh, pretty tough. He's going to, you know, um, provide pick and roll options uh, as a role man. Um, I don't think McGee minutes are going to be viable at all. He's too he's too vulnerable in the pick and roll. The same reason he only played 12 minutes a game when he was at Golden State. Um so I think we'll see a lot of Howard, and it'll be a positive. Not very much McGee, and he'll be a net negative. Yeah, I agree. I think Howard's going to be able to attack things. Um, what do you think, Drew? When you see if you see McGee out there, are you going to be loading up as much Miami Heat live as you can? I don't know that we're going to see much of him. <laughs> I, think is great. I think Spread is right. I mean, he you know it's uh, what was uh, what was it the um, the uh, the Warriors used to trot him out for. What five minutes and then it was six minutes for the first quarter, six minutes for the third. That was it. 
Yeah. Uh, what, what was it that you did with Andrew Bogut last year? Was it they gave him like two minutes or three? Yeah. Minutes? <laughs> it was like, like you never saw him again. Yeah. Run the what, tip, what, do a couple blocks outs, hit the bench. Three out. fouls, get out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if you see much of JaVale McGee here. And I agree with spread about uh, Dwight Howard potentially being a little bit of an X factor, especially, especially as the series goes longer. Um, if this is, if, if, you know, if, if the heat no show, which is possible, uh, and you know, the Lakers, you know, are, are in, in position to clinch in five. Um, then, you know, I think this series is the story that's told about the series is all about how, you know, AD emerged and became, you know, the clear, uh, you know, clear top five player and, you know, you know, clear, um, you know, next guy, uh, well, as you know, whereas LeBron was, you know, absolutely, um, you know, as good as expected, right? Like you, that's the narrative that comes out of this if they win easily. Um, and if it, if the heat win a couple of games early, I think the narrative that kind of spins out of this is, um, you know, the, what do the Lakers do? How do they grind down? They, do they, uh, you know, do they go with the more defensive heavy approach? Do they slow down play? Like, do they, you know, really, uh, utilize, um, the minutes that a guy like Howard is on the floor with the second unit to stay in games because that's where they're the most vulnerable, right? I mean, I don't think that they can take the same mindset that they had in the Denver game, Denver series, where they were basically like, look, these guys are so gassed. They played so much basketball. We can just kick up the tempo and eventually these guys are going to fall apart on us. Right. And I think this series, you can't play that way because they have a depth advantage over you in terms of talent, like who just broke down. Um, so to some degree, uh, you know, you probably want to slow things down. You want to make this more about defense uh, overall. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, to that you know, to that degree, Dwight Howard becomes an important role player when your second unit is on, unit is on the floor to make sure you're not getting outscored and, uh, you know, bringing your starters back in down 10. So with apologies to J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters and Jared Dudley, I think we're done talking about Lakers. Um, so let's go through the Miami Heat. We mentioned Drogic, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, and Andre Iguodala. That's eight guys. So we've got a handful of names fighting for that ninth, maybe 10th spot. Do we think we're going to see a lot of Derek Jones Jr. or Kelly Olynyk this series? Sprite, I think you have some, some thoughts on Olynyk. I mean, the Lakers are pretty big here. My guess is we do see him. What are you expecting in those minutes? I mean, I think that they would need um, some positive Olynyk minutes here, you know, to m match up with Howard um, and basically give another, another big that can shoot. The problem is his defensive liabilities seems to be easily exploitable. And, you know, I mean, I could also see him getting in there, getting cooked on three possessions, timeout, he's out. So um, really his ability to play defense will be key here. I think Derek Jones Jr. Derek Jones Jr. can get some minutes there. Uh, he's quick enough on the wing, you know, nice little three and D player. Um, and he's not really going to be expected to do much. So anything you get from him is a bonus. And if he's not playing well, same thing, uh, back to the bench real quick. So, um, But Olenek kind of, to me, is a, a little bit of an X factor. If he can stay on the floor and not get eaten up defensively, I think that could help the Heat a lot on their rebounding. What do you think, Drew? Any angles for either one of those players from you? I, I mostly want to see a seven-man rotation, uh, and I only want Derek Jones, Jones Jr. in for energy, uh, and I only want uh, Olenek in if – you know, if it's an injury or foul trouble for Bam, <laughs> I mean, I'm. It's tough for me to say that you can have him on the floor and not, um, you know, not give away your advantage, which is, you know, your second unit is better. Um, you know, mm -hmm. that you don't. I don't think you really want to give. You don't want to open the door uh, for some of the support. You know, some of the role players for, um, you know, for the Lakers to find their offense in this series. 
All right, gentlemen, I think that's just about all the angles I wanted to cover. You know, anything else that you guys can think of, you know, factors to take into account, you know, stuff that is going to mess things up, stuff that might cause a little bit of variance. I think we all have heard the big storylines. Anybody that's listened to everything knows, you know, what's happening on a big level. I'll start with you, Drew. Was there anything sticking out to you that you think might drive, you know, um, impactful changes to the results, little things that you saw that stuck out maybe? I, I, the only thing I guess I can say is, if this is like every other finals that I've seen in handicapped, there's going to be players who contribute that we can't predict now. You just have to keep your eyes open for who's kind of got the stomach for this. Um, they they might they may not even know yet. You know, I mean, the NBA finals, even though this is in a bubble, there's no fans, uh, there's no travel. Like this is still a big freaking deal. And you know, some guys are going to step up and you know, answer the call, and some guys are going to fade. Um, we don't even really know what Anthony Davis is going to give us in this type of a moment. Like this is the biggest stage he's ever been on in his life. Um, and certainly, um, you know, I guess he, uh, he took, he did take the, uh, Wildcats to a title at Kentucky. Uh, so he does have some championship chops, I suppose. Um, but, uh, this is a big deal. So it's going to be interesting to see who steps up and, you know, expect the unexpected, especially when it comes to how the heat, uh, you know, kind of scheme and game plan. Cause there's going to be some surprises. Any other little angles from you spread before we jump into some actual handicapping? Oh, we can't hear spread. I wonder if he does. Oh, there he is. Um, honestly, and this is the whole reason that I haven't joined you on your play yet, Noops. It'll be a little bit of spoiler as I give it out. But Jay Crowder going from a 41% ultimate 3 and D, looking like the steal of the century in the first three or four games against Boston, and then dip into like 19% to give him the regression back to whatever his career average usually was between, you know, 30 and 34% as a three-point shooter, I think was huge and really um, is what kept me away um, from joining you on the series price here because I need him to hit above 38% from three to be viable on the floor for his defense. And as good as he was, he got that bad, that quick. And it was crazy because it looked like Iguodala wasn't even in any minutes. That's how good Crowder was playing. But to close the series out, we saw Iguodala get in those minutes and not Crowder because if he can't make those threes, uh, they can just sag off him and, and and they just get all clunked up on, on offense. So really, I think how well Jay Crowder shoots will determine uh, how well the Heat do in the series. All right, I agree. I think that that's big. You're right. Um, it's moved around. I don't know if he has to quite get up to 38, but he's got to find that mid-30s number to really be impactful. Um, so as we start to look for the series, the number has settled a little bit. Um, when it opened, there was some plus 300s, maybe a little better than that a few places. It settled just around plus 270 to plus 280, depending on where you check. Um, I'm looking at a plus 280 right here. That puts the Lakers right around minus 375. Um, I have a little bit of the Miami Heat plus 300. I don't necessarily dislike this number at plus 280, but I'm certainly not adding any more. Um, do either one of you have either one of you made a bet yet on this series from a money line perspective? I have a small one on the Heat at plus 300. I make fair price plus 275. So that says the Lakers have a 73% chance to win Heat 27. I wouldn't uh, have made that bet if I didn't think the Heat could steal game one. <laughs> and so basically, uh, if, if at this point, if you haven't gotten it and you're looking at plus 275 and you're like, well, great, I missed it. Um, I don't mind splitting a stake on, you know, heat covering game one and also, uh, you know, a series price because um, I do think, uh, you know, early in the series, the heat especially have the advantage, uh, you know, because they have so many multiples, because there's a lot more unknowns about the way they're going to attack, uh, whereas the Lakers are a much more known quantity. Um, so I think that tips things in their advantage early. 
Uh, so uh, I'll probably be trading off that price if the Heat can steal game one. All right, Spread, I want you to take a second, clear your mind, nice big deep breath, clear out all your years of Lakers hatred. I know it's really <laughs> tough for you to talk rationally about the Los Angeles Lakers. Do you think Drew's number of 73% chance of the Lakers to win this series, do you think that's a little high, a little low, or just about right? No, it sounds just about right. I mean, you, you, I mean, also have to factor. I mean, you know, an injury, so it's not not ever going to be a hundred percent, right? We saw Anthony Davis roll his ankle uh, in that last, or it might have been two games ago. But I was just thinking, gosh, if he goes out, <laughs> LeBron trying to carry these guys, it's going to be like the uh, two thousand nine Cavs all over again, or whatever that one team he dragged into the finals was was Zdrina Sigalskis. Um, but. Yeah, I think that number is about right, and that's pretty much why I haven't played the series price. I thought the Lakers were going to take more money, and they haven't. So, um, you know, the better is like an underdog. So uh, I don't really see a lot of value there. All right, then let's take a look at some of the other markets then. Total games played, um, I'm seeing over 5.5 minus 150, over 6.5 plus 255. So if you think the series goes 7, um, it's a pretty decent number there. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on those numbers at first? Is over five and a half minus 150 stick out to either one of you as value over six and a half? Um, what do you think, Drew? I wouldn't mind touching those. So you basically get an over six. Um, I think my most likely expectation here is Lakers 4-2. Uh, so if I can get an over six and you basically get a win on five and a half and a loss on six and a half and uh, you know, it, you you have the uh, in your back pocket uh, the fact that it would go uh, go seven, uh, which it would win you both bets. That's a fun way to play it. Um, but I haven't made a play on the total. What do you think? There, spread either those numbers. I think a minus one fifty is too high. I think a four one Lakers is a very good possibility if it just turns out that they can't match up defensively. They try and win their two three zone. LeBron laughs at the two three zone. Um, gets loose and you know it's not really a very exciting series. I would put that a little lower, but um, I guess with the Heat taking money, um, you know if they did that, that would be a lot uh, easy way to kind of hedge off your um, Heat series bet, right? If you were big on the Heat and they put it at minus one ten, you take the over five and a half for a unit, then you take the plus three hundred for a unit, you break even if the Heat losing six or seven. So I understand why the books put it there, but I think it's a little high. Um, I do think the Lakers, Lakers do have some blowout potential here. Um, if, you know, the two best players basically show they're the two best players and depth is great, but there's only one basketball. So then maybe spread, I can interest in you something like Lakers minus two and a half games plus 144. So you cash with a sweep or four one, the series price for one, I'm seeing plus 275. I bet if you did some price shopping, you could probably find it three to one. Um, based on the book that I'm looking at here. So can I tice you on either one of those? Again, four to I one. Mean, I, th I think that's a, a, I think that's a little better value four. here um, than, than laying minus 150 on the over five and a half. I, I wouldn't lay that minus 150. If you're going to play that and you think it's going to be a close series, grab the plus money on that on the over you know, six games or more. But I wouldn't lay the minus 150 on, on five games. Yeah, the Lakers minus one and a half games, minus 159. So you start to get back into that heavy juice territory. Did either number of those speak to you, Drew? I got to pass on this. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, it's almost like, you know, you can see two pretty clear paths, right? The 73% chance that the Lakers win, it's 4-0, 4-1. Uh, and it's because they, you know, it's because they, uh, they, they, the, Heat are close in game one, but can't get it home. And then they're close in game two, and they can't get it home. And then, you know, the Lakers at that point, everybody's ready to go home. 
Um, and in kind of the middle range, like I can see a scenario where the Heat, uh, you know, Heat win uh, a couple of games early. And as the series goes on, the adjustments will be there for the Lakers to get back in and, you know, kind of retake control of the series. And, you know, the longer this goes, the more it comes down to end of game, close game scenarios, the advantage is in favor of the Lakers. So uh, it's tough for me to say that there's uh, an edge there. And when I start to look at some of the Miami prices, plus one and a half games is plus 130. So you basically need the series to go seven games there. Um, plus two and a half games, minus 177. Hard pass on both of those. So if you're looking to attack Miami, again, I, I think we like a series place around plus 300. Um, if you get plus 300 or better, that's worth a little bit. Um, and then Miami game to game, you know, if you're looking to attack them. From a Lakers perspective, I, I'm with you guys. Minus two and a half games, plus 144. That's a nice way to attack that. Um, and then, well, I liked your idea of um, you know trying to look for over six games, you know, either dutching exactly six and exactly seven or over five and a half, over six and a half, something like that. Um, what if you dutch the you minus want. two and a half with the over five and a half? That's interesting. Then the only way you would lose is if the Heat won uh, four to one or four zero, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think that might be that's a hell of a Polish middle. Yeah, it is. It's kind of a big one. Uh, and I don't know who the hell knows. I mean, All right, we'll get that one. I thought that's like one of the things. Like the Heat, uh, the Heat beat the Bucks four one. I knew a lot of people who made strong opinions that like, oh, this is a great series over. Like, there's no way that the Heat don't win two games. So four two is the worst case scenario. Well, they won four one. Like that, I'm sure. I know people that that happened to, uh, and it's like uh, it's like when you when you're like, I know that this dog has, uh, you know, has a shot, so I'm gonna bet an over in this tennis match, and then yeah. they win six two six two, and you're like, great, I, the great came in under because my dog did so well uh, I've been in that position so many times. So uh, it's it's dicey. <laughs> yeah, spread. I think if you're doing it, maybe you just you kind of it's like almost like a football game. If you're going to take the favorite, lay the spread. If you're going to take the dog, just take the money line. You know, you're looking at Heat plus three hundred at better. If you want to bet the Lakers minus two and a half games plus one forty four. Um, you know, Drew, I know you have some more exact numbers minus two and a half. Did you have a price on that? No, no, uh, not 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 up right now. Sorry, I should have had that open. But um, I think my my what my crazy prediction. I think I can see Lakers winning this four one and. This heat covering four games. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> like, like, it, like, especially looking at the current, like, the prices, like, five points. Like, these teams are closer than that. Um, and this, you know, this could set up a way where, um, you know, the in you know, in a lot of the ways that uh, you know there was value to back the Nuggets in a lot of those games against the Lakers because they were those prices were inflated. It took them until game five until they gave you a fair price, uh, and at that point, it was because. People thought the Nuggets were going to come back again. It wasn't really a fair, you know, a reasonable adjustment that they were trying to, you know, they just knew people were had an appetite to back the Nuggets in that game. So um, I think as long as they're going to give you four or five points in this one, you got to take it with the Heat because, you know, um, you know, reasonably the um, fair price should probably be three, maybe three and a half. Just before we jump into game one, one last series market, uh, finals MVP spread. I think you were thinking about maybe taking LeBron, but as I look at the prices, he's right around minus 150. What do you think of laying the juice on LBJ for the uh, finals MVP here? Yeah, I think it's good. I, I mean, really, I mean, AD would have to like average like 36 to get it over LeBron. 
in my mind. Um, you know, the narrative set up for him, um, you know, that you can make a solid argument. He was the regular season MVP already. There should be a little bit of um, maybe some incentive for the media to kind of try and make up for that because, you know, I mean, and it's a regular season award, but boy, I mean, <laughs> you know, he's, he kind of proved that he's the most valuable player uh, in the bubble. So yeah, I think, I think minus 150 is actually good value. That might even be the best way to attack the whole series. If so you that, think the Lakers win, just bet the minus 150 on LeBron to be MVP. What I'm trying to do furiously here, and I hope Drew's doing the same thing is figuring out what happens if I Dutch LeBron <laughs> 155 with Anthony Davis plus 250. Um, I wonder if we can get that out to. Um, but I think you're right. That might be pretty good. Again, plus 250 minus 150. But, I mean, how many points more would AD have to score than LeBron per game to get the MVP, right? If they both drop 28 a game, they're giving it to LeBron, right? I think so. He's got to have to. He's going to have to outscore him by 5 to 10 points a game, I would think, to actually get the MVP. So yeah. maybe the more interesting. I think, I think that's true. So maybe the more interesting question that becomes, if the Lakers are going to win, is it anybody but LeBron or Anthony Davis? No, no, no way. No, zero point zero percent chance. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's I, I can't I can't make a reasonable case. Uh, but I, I mean, maybe Alex Caruso. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. I think uh, no. I think I think that's the, the fair point overall. The um, um, this is a two horse race. Lakers win. And the Dutch there is still pretty expensive. I'm, I'm still. It is. I can't. I can't make it work, math wise. Yeah, you <laughs> uh, can. Not great. It's basically, like it down two point three to win about 0.7 units. So you're looking at like minus three hundred. So just take some Lakers series stuff. Damn it! I thought I was gonna. I mean, realistically, uh, you know, again, I think you know, I think we see the Heat compete early. So I'm still hopeful that you're gonna see a better price than minus. Uh, you know, again, fair price is Lakers minus two seventy five right now. Um, even down 01, I would make fair price then minus 180 for them. So anything better than that after a game one loss is really, that's the buy point that I've got my fingers crossed. All right, let's jump into game one. Drew, you started us off. You think there's a little value here on Miami plus four and a half. The game opened five and a half. Um, much to my disappointment, Miami took some money here and drove it down to four and a half. I was hoping everybody would be excited about the Lakers at less than My bad. They <laughs> really You're a jerk. Well, um, so, ruined it. He took it from five and a half all the way down to four and a half. He still thinks there's a little value there. The total opened at 218. I hit the under, only took it out of 217 and a half. So you can still get that. Um, that was a good play, though. I like, I like that angle. Spread, have you made a wager here? Not on the side. If you like Miami, though, I think the Lakers will get money. I, I, I think it closes at least five. And I think because they opened it at five and a half, they're going to have no problems moving it back to five and a half. Um, and I think public money is going to flood in tomorrow as, you know, everyone in L.A. wakes up, throws their jersey on, logs onto their account and goes ahead and bets their favorite team. OK, Drew, we know you like uh, four and a half. Um, maybe the best way to ask that question, if it opened four and a half, would you have bet it? Yeah. Wow. That would, that would have been that. I think it's still I think it's still a fair price. Um, minus I make this I make this game basically Miami minus three, a little bit, a little bit of fatter than that. Um, so I would bet down two four. Um, and uh, I think that's eventually where the series goes uh, after we see first three games. 
Okay, it makes a lot of sense. And again, I mentioned the total, 218. I'm still on the under there, 217 and a half. Happy to take the under there. Any of you guys have a strong opinion on the total? I think this series might be like, uh, gosh, which series was it? Well, we kept in the under, and it went from 219 to 212, and they were still, I mean, I think the series has underwritten all over it, right? I mean, the only way these games go over is Miami's ahead in the fourth quarter because what does LeBron and the Lakers like to do if they have more than a two-possession lead in the fourth quarter? LeBron's going to dribble the ball till there's about six seconds left on the shot clock. And he's either going to hit a fadeaway three or he's just going to beat his man off the dribble and find AD or, or another player for a wide-open shot. So, um, you know, I like the under, and I even like – I think you think you're going to be a better chance to get it live if they go off to a, a start and you see the Lakers ahead. Uh, it's going to be really slow paced fourth quarters with both these teams. Uh, and I'll be, I'm really curious to see how much this total drops during the series, because we saw, you know, in the Boston series, the books didn't move off their number. The heat just sit there and, and beat them pretty soundly. And we got the same exact number. And I'm just sitting there like, no way, but that the total. Totals... My fault. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I was uh, wrong on that series though, from wire to wire. Yeah, I mean, it, that that was it was tough. And a lot of those games, you know, came down to one last shot. And it's tough to really um, fault your handicapping if you're the wrong side on the wrong side of, of a series like that. But I really think that we're going to see the same number for the for the total. You know, it's going to be between four and six, um, regardless of what happens. But I think the total is going to move around and I think it's going to drop. And I'll be interested to see how much it drops uh, if we do get a game six or a game seven. It's going to be like. 209 or 208 in my opinion oh maybe yeah i can see a scenario where this first this game one comes in at like 200 i mean this, I mean, this is, it was 90 85 in the regular season when they played right or 93 85 i mean that was a tough that's a tough one to use as a any kind 95, of 95 80 113 110 but 113 was a really bad spot for the heat um so i don't know that i want to use that as too much of an indicator okay. um, both, both the heat la games were bad spots for the heat um, situationally. So I don't think you can really look at those as telling you much. Um, the, um, but the way that exactly like you said it, the way that this sets up second half, fourth quarter, especially slowing down to a crawl, um, you know, both teams we know want to do that. Um, and like I said, I think there's an advantage to be had for the Lakers to give you a very different pace than you saw in that nugget series. They totally. had it. You know, they, they were at an advantage if the faster that was going. And so it was made total sense over, over, fire, fire. Uh, and then um, it's the exact opposite in this one. So the angle that I like outside of the other game, and I think it sets up nicely into what you guys were hinting at from a live conversation. I think the Lakers are going to be really good first quarter and first half in this series. I like the first quarter specifically. Um, I went back and looked and filtered on the, the entire bubble and didn't get a chance to adjust this for competition face, but the Lakers had the best first quarter, first quarter rating in the bubble with 16.1. Um, now, again, that's not adjusted, um, but the Heat, Almost the exact opposite. Not, well, not quite the exact opposite. Minus 4.7. So huge advantage there for the Lakers. First half, you see the same thing. Lakers 13.5. Miami a plus 2.2. But what my plan here is game to game. I'm going to keep attacking the Lakers first quarter. I'm seeing minus twos. I'm starting to see minus one and a half. Uh, bookmakers got minus one and a half at minus 121. So that's effectively a minus two. I'm going to hope that um, maybe the minus two gets a little cheaper. Maybe these guys have hadn't had time looking at everything else that's going on in the world to adjust that as the uh, game spread has been going. But, you know, even though I'm going to have the Lakers first quarter, I'm just going to be sitting staring at the live line, waiting for a chance to take the heat, 
Um, you know, like we said, I think the baseline for this series is going to be around plus five, plus four and a half, um, maybe plus five and a half again. Look for something. I think we'll get a chance at plus seven, plus eight, maybe even we're lucky enough to get plus nine. Um, what do you guys think from a live perspective as you're approaching this? It sounds like you guys are looking at maybe some live unders. Drew, you talked about second and a half unders spread. What are you looking at from a live perspective? I think you nailed it right on the head. I mean, and this was the regular season angle with the Lakers too. The Lakers were a killer first half team this year. Yeah. Um, so this isn't any something new that's bubble. I mean, this is just how they are. Um, they get out quick and then sometimes – and I don't think we'll see it happen in the finals, but during the regular season, it was fun to grab those huge numbers because they would kind of let their foot off the gas and start thinking about the yeah. next opponent or, you know, where they were going that evening. So, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think that you will be able to get a heat plus 10 during most of these games. And I think it's going to cash for you most of these games. Yeah, I think uh, one other thing to add, I've noticed a weird picked up a weird trend with those Lakers four minutes to go in the second quarter. Um the scoring just dries up for them. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like AD's had too many minutes, LeBron's had too many minutes. They just they're like, just get us to halftime. You know, we're in good we're in good shape here. Um, but I've seen so many games where it's just like the pace is on. It's like okay, yeah, I have an over in this game. Oh yeah, this is going swell, oh, smooth. Four minutes left, and then you get to halftime, you're like, what the hell? Like this was, you know, this I should have a you know a 12, 15 point cushion here, and I'm and I got two. You know, and it's just like it's it's weird. Uh, you know, they they get a little lazy, a little less aggressive in terms of what they're trying to do offensively. A little too much, just let AD get to the free throw line. Um, and so, if you are seeing a game that's like, let's say it's let's say it's fifty two forty eight with four minutes to go, and you're like, okay, I got an over in this game. Like this is going to be, or you know, you know I, or you think I'm waiting for a second half under. You probably want to fire there because that's I think really when you start to see the crescendo. Uh, or you know the, you're you're catching the peak in terms of uh, offensive performance, and because at that point, uh, you know the offensive efficiency drops off, second half slows down. Uh, so you're probably going to get your best live overs in, kind of in that window with about four minutes to play till halftime, I think. And you know realistically, unders are going to be solid in this series, uh, wire to wire. Um, assuming that we, there's no overtime, that's probably the one other thing to keep an eye on. Um, if you're seeing close games, if you're seeing trading scores, if you're seeing, you know, the, you know, the, the, there's been 15 ties and six lead changes and it's in the third quarter, um, you know, it's in, you know, it's, it's, it's getting into the second half, maybe just isolate fourth quarter under, as opposed to the game under <laughs> and save yourself the misery of an overtime. That's perfect, guys. So let's go through and just recap from a series perspective. If you get heat plus 300 or better anywhere, we like that for a little bit. Series total, if you get like an over six games, we have a chance to combine over five and a half or over six and a half um, to do the work there. We don't mind that. If you're going to attack the Lakers, minus two and a half games, plus 144, something that range makes sense. Um, game one, we like the heat plus four and a half. If you don't already have a ticket at five and a half, um, you don't like that number, we think it's a great idea to wait. You'll get a great chance to take the heat live again anywhere at plus eight or better. I like Lakers first quarter game one. I've got the under in game one. Um, and from a live perspective, again, as the game goes on, start to look for spots to maybe take live overs late in second quarters and then start to maybe buy out of some of those positions with some second half unders and things like that. So I think that just about wraps up our thoughts. Was there anything that I missed before we go to two kind of off the wall questions? Yeah, I got a question for you guys. Okay, let's be honest, right? Denver wasn't that good defensively. 
what is it? <laughs> do you think the the leap basically in defensive ability is going to affect the Lakers at all? I yeah. mean, you're kind of going against the easy team to score against, right? <laughs> Yeah. That's one of the reasons I like the Lakers early. And part of the reason I like the under here, I think you're going to get um, a little funkiness with the delay. And I think it's going to take these teams a little while to figure each other out. And I don't see them, you know, maybe the Heat again, if they put a small lineup out there, you know, if you see the Heat go small, start to grab some overs because they're going to push pace. But I think both of these teams are happy to let the game come to them a little bit. So um, that's kind of how it sets up for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, one other thing to add, uh, heard from one of our uh, bearded friends who uh, works at uh, works for Mickey Mouse. Mm. Uh, he said, uh, trying to work out the prices, best you could find was LeBron 150 and AD 275. Minus 150 for LeBron, plus 275 for AD. So that's minus 320 price-wise. Um, slightly cheaper than the money line for the Lakers, but not enough to make the math work for Heat at plus 275. Thank you. That's perfect. Our, our big appreciations to the sports cheetah. Make sure you're following him. He does some great stuff. Now we had one question from the chat and then one question of my own. Um, I believe it was Meech who pointed this out. He seems to think that Nikola Jokic is better than Bam Adebayo. And I never really considered this before. Spread, what do you think? What was your What's your initial reaction to that? How does that make you feel? I mean, from an offensive end, obviously – um, but in this series, I mean, we watched Jokic just get killed on the inside. Uh, his defense was a liability. His rim protection was a liability. Um, and that's really where he's going to need to improve if that team's ever going to want to contend for a championship. Whereas Bam, obviously you're so much more limited on offense with him. Um, but he's not giving me that same defensive liability that Jokic did. So as far as, I mean, Jokic is a better player to build your team around, blah, blah, blah. blah. But as far as this series, I, I think Bam's going to be more effective. What do you think, Drew? What is, what's your reaction to that? If you had to pick somebody, um, you know, not for this series, you're starting an NBA team. Who do you want, Bam or Jokic? For today's NBA, I'm probably taking Jokic. Busty's more fun. You know, That's he's true. just a fun guy. That's true. <laughs> no, realistic, from a realistic standpoint, um, as a basketball player, the fact that he can shoot in today's NBA, I don't think you can discount that. You have because your whole entire. Uh, kind of roster construction, more flexibility. And I get that Bam can, you know, is, is more likely to be on a championship roster than than Jokic just based on his skill set. Um, but from a team building standpoint, I think you absolutely have to take Jokic. Yeah, I'd agree there. Yeah, I, I think so. I tend to like the guys that are a little more athletic. They play a little better defense. But um, long term, I, th I think Jokic is a little better. I mean, you know, if we had a game tomorrow against the Lakers, I actually might take Bam. Um, but we'll see how that goes. And the only other thing, Drew, I wanted to ask you, you told us that the Preakness apparently is coming up. Who's going to win the Preakness? I don't have anything picked up. Did you tell me you're not all over this? You should know by now. Is Tis the Law running again? Do we have any thoughts on the horse he's running in a circle? How long is that circle? I gave up after the Derby. I had a, uh, I had a rogue 50-1 to 1, Tis the Law wins the Triple Crown that uh, went up in smoke. At the derby so i kind of tuned out horse racing at that point um i know the breeders cup is coming up i know there's some great races um but i don't uh, actually uh if you if you want to stall i can tell you who the guy is i, I remember now uh, in the back of my head actually i think so it looks like the the number so they actually did they do the draw already i guess they did it looks like it's accession mr big news art collector swiss skydiver thousand words jesus's team Ooh, I like the way they did the apostrophe, too. New York traffic, max player, authentic, pneumatic, and live your beast life. I really don't like that one. It feels like they're trying no. to sell me energy drink. No. No, that one's, that one's a no-go. Um, 
Looks art like the favorite art collector. Yeah, two and a half to one, basically. Yeah, yeah, art collector. He's yeah. the best horse. <laughs> all right, Spread. Um, any other thoughts, questions for our guest um, before maybe you take a second to tell us all the great things you'll be doing? I'm sure you'll have some run pure shows and stuff coming up. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of excited for this series, but I kind of think it might be a Lakers beatdown. Um, hopefully the fan in me uh, says Miami keeps it close. Um, but just from watching the NBA, I know how much it's a star-driven league, and you have the two best players. Um, I'm worried this could be um, kind of some of these West versus East uh, finals that we've seen in the past where, uh, you know, just getting out of the Western Conference was harder than the actual finals. So the fan in me hopes the Heat can make it a challenge. You know, I believe in Spolstra. Um, but at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, when you have that much talent, you might just be able to blow any scheme out the water. Drew, any final thoughts for the people here before we wrap up? And let us know what you're doing. I know you've been doing a ton of stuff today. You've got the Deep Dive podcast. You're on You Better You Bet. I know you do Matchbook for football. Um, you're doing stuff for Roto World, which is technically NBC. What did I miss? Uh, that's it, man. All over the damn place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anything, you can find it all on Twitter. Twitter.com, whale underscore capper. All of the, I try to share everything that I'm doing. Um, but uh, to closing thought, I guess uh, Trevor never. What do you think the overarching narrative is here in the finals? Braun versus Riley, underdogs. Um, I think going into it, you know, Braun versus Riley is a fun one to to pos you know to to kick around. But I think the way that the series plays out, either the Lakers do well, and this is less, you know, no one really wants to write the story. You know, LeBron finally got brought a title to LA. You know, after it hasn't been long enough that that's kind of the overarching story here. I think it's going to be much more about. Uh, Anthony Davis and the emergence, and he's finally won a title, and now he's one of the best players in the league, bona fide, uh, forced to be reckoned with uh, you know, year in year out. Is he in part of the? You know, is he is, you know, he, is he top top, you know, you know, top guy going into you know building a team over the next couple of years? And and if the Heat win, it's going to be uh, Spolstra's. You know, is he the best coach? Because that's what it's going to take. Yeah, I mean, from a dynasty perspective, when you start to think about it, this will be LeBron's ninth final, which, by the way, I just want to take a second. He's made the finals. Uh, it's, sorry, it's his tenth finals. Um, he has made the finals um, more times than I think it was like um, 15, almost 16 franchises, and he's been in something like more than 13.5% of all NBA finals. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but from a dynasty perspective, he's got three rings and nine tries. It'd be really nice if he could get to four and six. Because four, I'm sorry, yeah, four and six sounds a lot better than three and seven. What do you think, Spread? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I think that uh, Whale probably watches much um, sharper media than me because I don't see there's any way how the, all these talking heads just aren't all over LeBron and, you know, uh, yeah, his legacy and comparing him to Jordan and Bill Russell and James Naismith or whatever <laughs> they want to do whenever they start uh, going. But so uh, his, I would love it for it to be AD's emergence. But I'm One of the things you got to factor in when it comes to the legacy media is um, – they're going to hold it against him that this was all kind of contested in the bubble, and uh, he didn't have to go through, you know, the Clippers. There. He didn't have to go through the Bucks. Like I, honestly, like there's enough Jordan stands out there that they're going to hold this against him, even if he wins the title. And I think that's going to pivot the coverage a little bit. To you know, this is Anthony Davis's first title. 
Well, I hope you're right because I would I would prefer that coverage personally. <laughs> Do you think they give that side to Stephen A. or Max Kellerman on first take? Because you're right, they're going to line that up. Yeah. <laughs> How many asterisks? Not is there an asterisk? Yeah. How many should we put on this asterisk on the year okay. and his name and the title? Do we put we wear one on his jersey? You know, like a purple. I mean, honestly, just to jump in and give my own Stephen A. style opinion, I don't see I can give an asterisk. You don't get a home court advantage. Oh, I know. Right? I mean, everyone had to deal with the same thing. I mean, but I'm saying that that arguably might be the most fair championship ever. Yeah, I I love the bubble. If I ran the NBA, the the playoffs would be in Las Vegas from here on out. It would be the craziest month of the year, and we'd run it just like the bubble. They could run it UNLV or that new MGM and just have it on a neutral, have it on a neutral, right? Super Bowl's on a neutral. It's awesome. You know, and I've I've loved the bubble so far. I mean, uh, it was kind of hard to bet this last round, right? We kind of got beat up a little bit. But other than that, it's been great. Yep, right on. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Great job. We really appreciate it. Thank you for everybody in the comment section. We really appreciate that, driving a little conversation, giving us a little more stuff to talk about. Um, Spread will be doing his best to get this out on all the podcast services. We appreciate a rating and review on whatever you end up using there. Give us a follow at Network Pod. Um, we'll actually be back, I believe, with our buddy Ace Preview Steve to do a little bit of tennis streaming possibly nice. tomorrow, maybe in another day. So fingers crossed. I think we'll be doing some live stuff there. Thank you, everybody, and have a great week. Good luck in all your wagers.